Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, really glad you're here. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here. If you're joining us online or here in the room, again, really glad that you are here. Uh, normally, um, it is not conducive to my Sunday morning life to be outside for three and a half hours on a Saturday night screaming my head off, but nonetheless, I was there last night at the night game, and normally I wouldn't be, but our middle daughter, uh, Lauren, she was on the field doing a presentation at halftime, and what? I have a picture. Student government of the University of Arkansas president, Lauren Lofton, was there making a presentation, which was really cool, so we were there, so I was screaming my head off, because if you're going to be at the game, you might as well be there, so I'm going to go ahead and move the water from emergency position B to A here, because I'm, I'm, I will give out on you at, at some point. Um, through a fortunate set of circumstances, our seats, we ended up sitting here, which was really nice. And in the fourth quarter, I'm telling you, if you watched it, there was a punt return. That dude was running right at us. He's like, we wanted to, we could just, we can hug him. He was just, he was just right there. And he's like, bro, I don't, I want to see a picture of that. Like, well, you don't have a picture of that because I was in the moment. But apparently our friend Mallory and my daughters thought it was great. Hey, we should just take pictures of him because of whatever this spectacle is. They were taking pictures of it. Um, so there you go. And lastly, I feel like this is a little point of etiquette that is really important to me. Uh, we may add it to our connections material at some point. If you go to the game, you do not leave until it's over. Does not matter if we're winning by a lot, losing by a lot, or somewhere in between. You stay to the very end. And you may think, how do I know when it's over? You know when it's over, right? Time. Uh, last pick. The singing of It's Hard to Be Humble. You have to stay for it's not, game's not over until you sing It's Hard to Be Humble. They sing it twice. You can start walking out on the second one, but you have to be singing and doing the woos as you're, as you're leaving. If you don't know what I mean, it's okay, but write it down in case you ever do go to a game. And so as you know, if you just even from this, um, if you've been around here a little bit, that I really am passionate, really like. Arkansas Razorback sports, basketball really is kind of the, the core of what I love. I'm in this group text with some guys where we just kind of rant about it and we kind of talk about sports a lot. And I love that. But I was, as I was texting, I was in multiple text groups the other day, just kind of texting back and forth. And my wife's like, who all are you texting? And it kind of hit me. And I kind of was like, honey, I'm a, I'm a renaissance man. He's like, what? And I was like, no, no, see, I'm in this group. T- I'm, I'm t- I got a lot of things going on right now. I'm, I'm texting in, 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 my, in, in the hog text, right? But I've also been in this other text with a different group of guys where we talk about Marvel movies and Star Wars all the time. And so I'm, I'm carrying my own in there. I know about that. So I, I got that. I'm telling you, Heidi, there are not many people who could work both of those. But in addition to that, Heidi, and you, this, I mean, you can imagine you, what it's like being married to me. It's like, it's not even that, Heidi. In the group text that I've got with our daughters, we were having a discussion just the other day about why Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not a Renaissance man, right? And so I, I, so I did. It's like I, like, I like a lot of different kinds of things. I mean, there's some things that, that really that are the most important to me, but I like a lot of things, and I'm into a lot of things, Really, for a lot of reasons, because I want to be into the things that you're into. I want, I like, to me, like what my friends and the people that I'm around, what they like, I want to like that too. And I want to be able to talk with you about the things that you like. And so it's important for me, I feel like, not just in my job, but just part of my personality. Like I really want to be able to, whatever it is, is your thing. I want to be able to talk, I want to be able to talk about it. Man, and I want to be genuinely interested in it. It's important to me to be knowledgeable and interested in the things that you're interested in because 
I think that is a significant way to show love to people, and it's just been really important to me. There's just a few things I still just... Coffee, I don't... I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I want to get it. I don't get it. I remember the time we didn't have Onyx coffee that one Sunday and y'all almost burned the church down. It was really, it was really weird. I don't get it, but I understand it enough. Like, hey, we'll always have Onyx coffee. Those kinds of things. Car racing, I don't quite get that. But like even, I don't know enough to ask questions, I guess. But like, I feel like I just want to be able to do this. And I was thinking about this as as we're walking our way through this series. As we're walking our way through this series, and it's called Known, and we're just kind of talking about our real real need to kind of create real, authentic communities where everybody here in the church has has a group of people that are like, these are my people. And they've got me, and I've got them, and I feel well connected. And over the course of these weeks, and we got one more week after this, we'll wrap this series up, a couple of things that we're trying to do. If you've kind of been on the fringes of the church, we're really trying to draw you in to say it is important for you to come and experience real community with one another. We're trying to draw you in. But at the same time, also kind of communicating to the people who are, who are in. It's like if we're going to say that we're trying to draw people in to real, authentic community, we better make sure that the thing that we're inviting them to is real, authentic community. And so we want to pull you in, but we also want to make sure that we're all on the same page of the type of communities that we're trying to build. And so we've been in Romans 12 up until this point, all three weeks. We're skipping ahead this week to Romans 14. And you may think, bro, you skipped. There's a chapter in the tree. Why are we not doing Romans 13? Let me tell you what Romans 13 says. Romans 13 says no matter what your government does, you should like it and be okay with it. And you're not ready for that. And it's off topic, so we're just going to move past that and go straight into Romans 14, verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own masters, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. All right, let's make sure we understand kind of what we're talking about here. There's another verse. This passage I think is really important. Basically, he's talking about, hey, there's kind of some controversies on what Paul would kind of call really just kind of secondary, if not secondary, tertiary kind of issues that really don't really matter. And one of them about what is it appropriate to eat? I mean, there were some diet restrictions in the Old Testament. Some people thought it was really, really important to hold on to those. And Paul's like, I I, I don't think so. And then there were some things like certain types of meat that you shouldn't eat, according to some people, because they were used in... Uh, sacrifices to idols. They would sacrifice this meat to an idol and they would sell it or you go to somebody's house. Can you, can you do that? And they would have all these controversies and Paul's like, well, listen, stop these things. Accept one another. One person, one person has strong faith where they recognize kind of the, the real implications of the gospel, which is kind of free from this. And other people don't. And the people who have the stronger faith accept the people who are weak. This is what they think that God wants from them, and you should love them. And the people, and, and hey, if you're still in this place where you feel like you need to follow these rules, you need to accept and love the people who, 
who, who believe that they're now free and stop being people who are quarreling over this because it is not your place. Each one of you is a servant of God and, and, and their favor depends on what their master, who is God, what he thinks of them, not what you think of one another. And so you need to, you need to stop this. And he talks about this some more and he kind of ends up with this phrase, this, this verse, verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. So he kind of sums it up here. Stop, stop passing judgment on each other. You guys don't see some of these things the same way and you need to stop being so judgmental about it. And you need to make sure, and this is a decision you need to make, that you're going to make a decision that I'm not going to put any stumbling block between uh, that, that will get in the way of a brother or sister. And so the image here of a stumbling block, and if you've been around the church, maybe you've heard this phrase before, maybe you haven't. But the idea is, is that someone is here on a path that God has set for them, and they're trying to become this person for God, and this is where God wants them to be. You don't want to be the kind of person that makes it just a little bit harder for them to get there. I'm going to put this obstacle in your way. I'm going to put this block that's going to make you stumble. I'm trying to get this way, but you put this little trap here, and now I've stumbled over it. And what he's saying is that our judgmental attitude about each other, hey, because you think this way, because you do this this way, because you don't believe and think the same way that I do, you're not quite, you're not quite who you should be. You're not quite who God thinks you should be. And I don't know that I want to be friends with you. I don't know if I want to be in fellowship with you. And so it's just a little thing. It's just a little stumble. It's just something that makes somebody who's trying to grow, it makes, it makes it harder. These stumbling blocks that we put in front of people by passing judgment on each other. And so kind of our, our big idea for today that, that I want us to understand is we think about these communities that we're trying to create. We'll say this, that creating safe communities is a choice. Now, I use the word, I kind of went back and forth about using the word safe. They were going to create safe communities. I went back and forth and I decided to include it because even though some of you was like, hey, we're I almost, I almost said this instead. We're trying to create safe spaces for people. And I almost said it in that intentional way because I knew that some of you would be like, mm. Uh, safe spaces, everybody, oh, I got to be safe. You got to be uh, snowflakes and blah, 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 and all these things that you guys say to each other. Maybe you don't. That th people are out there saying to each other, right? And, and, and we kind of, like, we're not supposed to be safe. It's like, you can challenge somebody safely. You can create environments where they are loved and accepted and still challenge people's ideas. But what we're trying to do what God has called us to is, to is to have a place. But you belong out there on the outside. You come in, you still feel like you belong. You come in here, you still belong. That no matter where you are, no matter where your heart is currently, where your mind is currently, whatever it is you're thinking, like, this is a safe place for you to take that next step. And we do not want to be the kind of place that is going to intentionally make it a little bit more difficult for you to find the next thing that God has for you, to, to have the growth that you need to have. Well, we can't have people like that. We can't have people who think like that, who vote like that. Because if you have not, if you've not at least gotten to this point in your maturity and your growth, then we can't have you here. 
And so we put obstacles and we make it just a little bit harder for someone to grow. Because we've decided, what Paul says, in these kind of disputable matters, these things that, they're not, they're not the essentials. The, the, the meaning of Jesus' death on the cross, the very nature of God, the very nature of who Jesus Christ is. We're not talking about these things that are essential to our real understanding of the gospel. In fact, most of these disputable matters are things like, well, we understand that all of this is true, and if all of this is true, how am I supposed to live? And there's, some, we, and there's some disagreement about some of these things. And if it's a disputable matter, let's, just, let's, let's, let's make a decision to not fight about it because that's what he says. Instead, make up your mind not to do this. You may think you can't help it. Oh, I'm just passionate about this. It's important to me. But Paul is saying this is a decision that you're making. I am making a decision to create a space where someone feels unwelcome because they don't think a certain way, they don't act a certain way. He said, but you can make a decision. Make a decision in your mind. Make up your mind. I'm going to decide this. I'm going to decide that I'm not going to fight about disputable matters. And that phrase, disputable matters, is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. What is a disputable matter? Because now there's going to become a little point here, a little bit. I'm going to give you a list, some examples, some examples of things that could be considered disputable matters. And there's at least one or two of them you're going to be like, that's not a disputable matter, bro. And then I'll be like, okay, well, let's just make it a disputable matter what the disputable matters are. Right? And, and let's make a decision to say, that how about this? We're going to give deference to the idea that, if possible, we're going to be at peace with each other, which we talked about last week. And we're not going to choose to fight about things when we could just as easily choose not to. Because when we don't make a big deal about disputable matters, it allows us to be even more focused on the things that matter the most. And then trust that God, in His timing... We'll get them from here to here, and I'm not going to make it any more difficult by putting this obstacle in front of them. There's another passage in 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul talks about some of these same kinds of ideas, and he says some of the things that I want to talk about just a little more clearly. So I want to go to this one too in 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. Though I am free... And belong to no one. What a great intro to a passage. Because he's trying to make something really clear here. I am free. No one can tell me what to do. Jesus Christ has set me free. You you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to think. You can't tell me how to act. You can't tell me what's important. Only God can do that. And he set me free. I'm obligated. I'm not obligated at all to any of you. Right? I am free and I belong to no one. Even though that's true, continuing verse 19, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. 
I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. No matter what your background, hey, what's your background? Like, did you kind of grow, you grew grew up Jewish, huh? And oh, you still following the law? I, I grew up like that too. I was a Pharisee even. Did you know that? I was a Pharisee. Yeah, I understand. I mean, the law's really, really cool. It really kind of helps provide some structure to your life. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I still do that too. I see, oh yeah, yeah. But did you know about Jesus? Did you know what Jesus did? And you're talking to somebody else. It's like, man, I don't even know. I, I see those Jewish people and they're doing those things with the, with the, with the sacrifices and the, and, the, and, the, and the things that they do seems kind of weird. It's like, I know, right? It is a little bit weird. I imagine you would think that is quite weird. And you know, I, I kind of grew up like that, but you know what? Like I regu- I, when I started believing in Jesus, I realized I was kind of free from that. And so no matter where these people were coming from, Paul's like, I would, I would focus on the thing that I had in common with them our mutual understanding. I would, I would be one of them and I would be with them and I would be like them and I would talk like them so that, that but by, by all different ways, lots of different ways with lots of different people, I can, I can reach them. They can understand me and I can, I'll communicate with them on their level in the way that they think so that in different ways, I'll be different so that in a lot of different ways with a lot of different groups of people, a whole lot of people can find Jesus Christ. I don't have to do this. I'm not obligated to do this. I choose to do this. So these are the type of communities that we want to have. There's a lot of different people here in this room. A lot of different backgrounds. Think a lot of different things. A lot of different worldviews. A lot of different perspectives. And more people keep coming in the door that are very different and we want to be the type of community that says, no matter, no matter who you were when you came in, this is a good place for you to find Jesus. This is a good place for you to find hope with God. This is a good place for you to grow and become the person that God has called you to be. There really aren't any prerequisites. And wherever you are, we will meet you right there. So how do we do that? We got a, a few things that I think are be really important for us to kind of understand if this is the type of communities we're going to have. And the first one, it's very simple. It almost goes without saying, but I made the slide, so I'll say it anyway. We need to know people. We need to know them. How can I meet you where you are if I don't even know who you are? Where'd you come from? What's your background? What are you like? Where did you grow up? What did, what, did you go to church? What kind of church? I want to know who you are. I can, we, can't, we can't have shared interests if I don't know what your interests are. I can't, I can't speak to you on your level if I don't know what your level is. I need to know who you are. I need to know what you love, what you're good at. And while I'm already saying things like safe spaces, I'll say this too. I need to know what triggers you. I need to know these things. And I want to be the type of person that says, I want to know you, you matter in this moment, not me. And that can bring a little bit of fear to some of us. If all I do is care about other people, who's going to care about me? And this is the risk of taking a step and really trusting a community. That I'm going to be real interested in who you are. 
and trust that you will do the same thing with me. Because there, there, is, there is some fear that we have. I mean, the series, we need to know people, right? It's like, no, it's like we bring, bring the title here. I want to know and I want to be known. And I'm a little bit scared by that. Some of us are scared and so we, I kind of hold on. I don't, t- don't want to tell you about me. Because if, I, if, you, if you knew, you would reject me. Some of us, our fear expresses a different way. Where we come into every room large. We come in large. Let me tell you about me and what I think and who I am and my ideas and my opinions. And everybody's like, bro, you need to dial that back a little bit. And like, see, they rejected me. But if we all had an attitude, every one of us, I want to know who you are. I want to know how I can love you well. And the only way that I can do that is to know you well. And we have those sorts of relationships with one another. Then we can know one another and truly be known. So now I know you. I know, I know your likes, your dislikes, your fears, your angers, things, your background, your history, your perspective. And then what Paul is encouraging us to do is to make accommodations. I want to make accommodations for people when I can. I want to make a, an accommodation. Like this is what Paul says, like someone who has the law, I, I want to act like someone who, who doesn't. Like if we have a disputable matter, we're going to choose not to fight over it. You, don't, uh, you didn't come from a Jewish background. I'm going to act like someone who doesn't have a Jewish background. You have a Jewish background. I'm going to act like someone who does have a Jewish background. You're, you kind of have a strong faith. I'll act, like, I'll act like that. You have a weak faith. I'm, I'm going to meet you where you are, and I'm going to make these accommodations for your sake. And again, some of us are going to kind of be like, ah, I don't know about that. That seems weak. You got to be who you are. You're not, you're not being yourself. You're letting other people dictate for you who you have to be. Which gets back to Paul's very intentional phrasing on this. I am obligated to no one. I'm obligated to no one. But I make this decision. And I feel this a lot. I feel this a lot. I'm a pastor and um, I feel like my life is a lot of obligations to act a certain way, to be a certain way, to talk a certain way, to always have a good attitude, to always have this. And it feels like a lot of times, not just as a pastor, but it kind of spills out into my life as well. Like I'm always obligated. Like my life is just full of have tos. You have to act this way. You have to talk this way. You have to do this. You have to. And I remember I was talking, I was talking to my counselor about this and um, he was really helping me. And I was a moment of frustration. He's like, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of all the have to. I'm sick of all the stuff I have to do. I'm sick of it. And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, bro, you don't have to do anything. And I kind of looked at him. I was like, man, that is ridiculous. You don't know me. You don't know my life. Well, I'm paying you for this. Paying for this. What do you mean? We don't know. I go, I have to do it. He's like, no, you don't. You could just not. It's like, no, I can't. Why can't you? And so we're having this conversation for a while. And I could, I could say that I came up with this because I'm the first one to say it. But he was kind of like leading me here like a little sugar cube, right? Cheeto, Dorito, that's really kind of more my thing. I like, give me, give me, give me, give me salty. He's pulling me out with like a bag of salty snacks. And I said, no, I don't have to. Based on my values, I choose to. And it's just really something that just kind of governs my heart and my mind. I don't have to do any of these things. That's what Paul's saying. I don't have to do any things, but my values. 
And my values say that reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ is important and loving people right where they are is important. And so I will make some accommodations. And if I need to modify and talk, act a certain way around a certain group in order to kind of make them feel more like they belong and more like they're valued and more like they're loved, I will gladly do that. I'm choosing to do this because these are the values that I believe in that God has given me. And so I'm willing to make some accommodations and I'm not going to argue and fight about disputable matters. Okay, okay, stop saying, what are you talking about? Now the go-to for all of these, if you've ever been in church, the go-to for all of these is alcohol, right? It's the alcohol is, is kind of the one that people like to bring up here. It's like, like you know, when or if is it okay to drink and how to drink and how much to drink and is it, is it okay and, and all these things and, and, and it's the kind of thing that happens. Let me just say, I'll tell you a story, and it's not as much like that anymore, but it still comes around, and it's important to kind of understand, but let me just tell you a story to kind of throw a wrench into it. We were in, we lived, I was a pastor in St. Louis for a few years. St. Louis, home of Budweiser, king of beers. Let's just say it's a different, it's, a, it's a different up there. It's not that far north, but it's different, and it's highly Catholic area, okay? And I'm not, I, let's just say, Catholics have a different idea and understanding about alcohol than your typical Southern Christian does. I don't, I don't mean anything, I'm not saying anything bad or good. I just say this is very different. So I got this guy, he lives down the street from me. He's coming over to watch the game. And I'm in St. Louis, what's the game? Baseball, right? Big baseball fan for four years, right? Because I'm making a comment, this is, this is who we are. He comes over to watch the game. We're watching the game. He brings his own little cooler and he pulls out a beer and he hands it to me. And I, I'm going to be honest, I don't, I don't like the taste of this, right? I don't. What's the right move? What is the, what is the appropriate way? What is the thing that I can do in that moment that will not put a stumbling block between this guy and what God's trying to do in his life? And let me tell you, that is very different than the place that I moved to next, a more rural town in Arkansas that is in a dry county. Is a very different thing about what is expected and understood about the way that a pastor is made. Same pastor, same sorts of scenarios, different responses. But there's some other things out there too that are like this. I mean, people like these disputable matters. There's a certain way that a pastor is supposed to teach the Bible. There's a certain way you're supposed to dress. There's a certain certain way you're supposed to talk. The way you talk about the Bible. There are certain ways that you are supposed to do worship. And the types of songs that you sing. There's a right way and a wrong way. And we fight about these things. Baptism. Hey, do you guys baptize babies? I got baptized as a baby. Do you think I have to get baptized again? These are the questions people ask and that we fight over. Is it okay for a woman to preach? Is it okay for a woman to be a lead pastor, to be an elder at a church? What does the Bible say about sex and when it's appropriate? What does the Bible say about divorce and what does your church believe about those things? Here's one. We all understand that God wants us to take care of the poor. What is the federal government's role in that and what is the appropriate way to vote? Take out, put any of those things in there. I'll give you one more. I'm in the home just having had dinner with a couple, a married gay couple. 
They cooked us dinner for me and my wife. We're hanging out and we're talking, having a really good time. We get together, we're sitting in their living room and the phraseology of this was amazing. The first thing out of his mouth was, you probably noticed that we're gay. What do you think about the gay thing? And I gave a five to seven minute answer where most people would have given an answer in seven words or less. You may think, bro, you went through a long list there and told a couple of really interesting stories and did not at one point tell us what you did or what you think. You know, I didn't. It's not the point of today's message, is it? What I believe about disputable matters. It's not the point. I could give you. I'm not ashamed of any of them. If you've been around here long enough, you probably heard me talk about most of them. It's not the point. I could give you that list. And if I did give you that list, what would you, would you think differently about me? Would, be I, would I be less of who I am because you and I disagree about those things? Because let me tell you this thing that I believe about you. I could give you that list and you tell me exactly what you think about all of them and it would not change my thoughts or feelings about you one bit. I'd be like, man, that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Tell me more about your background. Kind of how, you, how, how did you end up there? What, what, like, kind of, like what? And I would, I would ask you questions. And even if I disagree in application, I would find the core places in which where the kind of our hearts agree because I want to meet you where you are. I'm not going to fight with you because you think something different than I do. Because where God has you right now, you think the way, the best way to apply these things that God's calling us to do is this instead of this. Okay. Can we love each other well? Can we continue to trust and believe the best in each other, even if we have different ideas about these disputable things? Because here's what, what's really the goal. The goal is this, to help people move forward. That's the goal. Some of us, if you and I disagree, one of us has an immature understanding about what it is that God's called us to. Paul says it. It's like there's people with strong faith who think this and people with weaker faith that think this. Don't judge each other. Hey, there's some people who think that they're still under the law. They're not, but I still meet them where they are. What's his hope to reach them? We're trying to help people move forward. I could give you a list of 15 of these things and I will tell you, I'm probably wrong on a couple. I don't know that, I don't know, I don't know which ones. You probably are too. And how can we really help each other grow to become and have a fuller, more mature understanding of who God is, what the gospel is and what God wants from my life than if we are in community together talking about it and accepting each other right where we are and helping each other get to whatever God has for us next. And we cannot get there if we choose at the very beginning, at the very beginning of a relationship, the very beginning to get to know somebody, we can't accept that stumbling block. We can't have that here. You're doing that, that's no good. You think that, no way. You vote the wrong way, you act the wrong way, you think the wrong way, you live the wrong way. We can't have that here. And now we put obstacles between them and the hope and the life of Jesus Christ that comes. But I'm going to make a decision. I'm gonna, in my mind, I'm going to decide I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put any obstacles between people and Jesus. Because I don't want anything that I say or do to keep you from being able to hear 
the gospel. Because Jesus did these very same things for us. He knows you and he saw you at your worst and he loves you, came right to you, right where you are. Well, did he make an accommodation? Yeah, he did. He became a person, a servant, and died on the cross. Because that was the only way to reach you was by sacrificing himself for you so that you could be forgiven. And why did he do that? So that you could find hope with God and move forward. And as his ambassadors, this is what God has called us to do as well. Let me pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for your son. I thank you that he saw where we were. He saw the worst parts of us and he didn't, he didn't hesitate to love us, to make a sacrifice for us. He was not obligated to do so, but out of love, he chose to. And God, I pray, pray that we would create the types of communities that no matter your background, no matter where that people are right now, they can find the hope and the truth of the gospel. And God, I pray that none of us would be content in our own lives or with each other to stay stuck in something that's not healthy. But God, that through love, we can help one another move forward. And so God, I pray that the communities we have would reflect that. And God would be drawing in more and more people who are desperate for the hope that comes through the gospel. And again, we're so thankful for your son and it's in his name we pray, amen.